Welcome to Just Sayin', a podcast produced by and recorded at Tri-State Worship Center. Now here are your hosts, Allison Gardner and Pastor Terry Wagner. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Just Sayin' podcast. My name is Allison Gardner and I'm here with my pastor, Terry Wagner. Hey Allison Gardner. Hey. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Ooh, that inhale. Sharp inhale. I wanted to make sure I had enough air to support the words, Mm. I'm good. Yeah. I'm good. Yeah. We're also here with the sound magician, Tyler State. (laughs) I love that that's sticking. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, it's not just sticking, it's true. Mm, Capital T. That's <laughs> that is true. Has, there's a capital T in that word. You know what? There's yeah. not a capital T in faith. Faith. Yeah. It's so. I, what are we talking about today? I wouldn't have today? time to explain it to you guys, so I apologize. It's an inside joke. Yeah, inside. Oh, uh, but if you watch, if you get on TSWC's uh, Facebook page, <laughs> and by the time this comes out, you'll have to scroll back a couple of weeks. You'll see what we're talking about. <laughs> Even pastors make mistakes. They do. Bloopers. Bloopers. But our messes can be turned into successes. That's that is true. true. There's a pastor preaching on that mm. right now. He's mm. good, too. <laughs> <laughs> so this season, we have been talking about faith. We talked about what is truth. We talked about uh, is God good. We talked about, um, you know, Christianity versus other religions. So today, we're talking about apologetics. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Actually, I really like that word, so it should be like some sort of like peppy, like, you know what I mean? Oh, okay. Instead of dun-dun-dun. give us an example of what that would sound like? uh, (laughs) 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 Yes, I like it. Is that better? Yeah, much better. Anyways, so, PT, why don't you just go ahead and... uh, Restate the mission statement and define apologetics for us. We are looking at the issues of faith in this particular season through the lens of Scripture. And when you hear the word apologetics, of course, a person wants to think something about apology. But that has nothing to do with the word apologetics. It's really a reasoned argument. That's what it is. I mean, officially, dictionary-bound a reasoned argument or a writing to justify something normally, typically, uh, a religious doctrine. Mm-hmm. So it's it's really defending. It's not apologizing. It's defending the faith or or explaining the faith. Apologetics is being able to reason with someone about your faith, about what you believe, explaining it, not apologizing for it, explaining it. Mm, quite the opposite. Actually, it, yeah. it, it's kind of weird, isn't it? I mean, I don't, I, I don't know who makes up words. It it's, comes from a Greek word. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Um, uh, Are you going to Google that? I mean, I can. I think that was <laughs> a Webster. Did Webster make this word up? He probably did. He was Miriam. Yeah, Miriam. <laughs> <laughs> Miriam. <Yeah. laughs> I just <laughs> capital T Miriam. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, I don't remember what it, I know it was a it was a Greek way of reasoning, yeah. but I don't remember what it's, the Greek word I, was. I don't know how to pronounce it, but it just it comes from a Greek word that means speaking in defense. Yeah. So. Um, so I was yeah. right. Yeah. So far, so good. So far, so good. So, how does the word apologetics um, apply to uh, Christianity? Why do we need to defend our faith? Well, I think 
Number one, we have, we have to defend it because the Bible tells us we have to defend it. I mean, if we believe in Christ and we believe in his word, then we have to know that the Bible tells us that we need to defend the faith. We need to be able to contend for the faith. As a matter of fact, uh, a follower of Christ whose name was Jude, who wrote uh, one of the letters in the in New Testament, uh, in verse 3, which I was going to try to throw you a quick one and say, you know, chapter 1, verse 3, but there's only, there's <laughs> there's only, only one chapter. chapter yeah. uh, it says, Beloved, although I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once for all, once and for all delivered to all the saints. And then again, First Thessalonians three eight. For for now we live if you are standing fast in the Lord, if you're able to contend for that faith. Um, so I think anything worth having, obviously, is worth fighting for. Uh, men and women have fought for this faith from the beginning, and I, and I don't think it it has ever. It's never come to a point where it's supposed to stop, even though. It, it sure seems like we have stopped defending the, the the faith. We're not supposed to. We're supposed to contend for this. We're supposed to fight for this. Uh, it, it's like uh, when after they signed the Constitution and Benjamin Franklin came out of the, the hall that they were in and, and a lady was walking down the street and she said, well, what kind of a government do we have, Mr. Franklin? And he said, it's a republic if you can keep it. In other words, if you can make sure it stays that way. And I would say that's that's kind of what this is. We, we've been instructed to defend it. We, we need to be able to defend it. And if we don't, it's, it's something that we, I think, can be lost for sure, especially in today's world. So, um, you know, and, and Paul told the church or to the people at Romans, the Christians at Romans, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. He's not ashamed of it. We shouldn't be ashamed of it. We should contend for it. We should fight for it. We should be able to define it and describe it, explain it, and reason with somebody in a conversation uh, to be able to have some apologetics about us to defend it. Right. So... Um I know it's, uh, we talked about how, uh, we talked a little bit about tolerance in w one of the episodes that we've done this season. I don't remember which one, but um, just about how it's become common for people to believe that, you know, uh, we should respect all religions, you know, keep keep your feelings to yourself and let other people believe what they want to believe and it'll be all, it'll be okay and we can coexist together. Um, so is Christianity a something that is applicable to that? Is it a personal faith or is it something that we should be sharing? Uh, let me use a little illustration first and then I'll apply the answer. If I saw you, Allison, stuck on a railroad track and I believed the train was coming and it was not going to be able to stop before it got to you, should I try to rescue you? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would hope so. I, I, I hope I would too. Yeah. I, I think anybody that has a is rational thinking human being would, would try to rescue someone who's in trouble. And so with that in mind, I really don't see the difference here. I, I really don't. There, there is a judgment coming. Mm. It's coming. Yeah. And I, I do believe that the negative consequence of not being prepared for that judgment is an eternity without Christ. And, and that's not good. And that cannot just be personal. If I really believe that, if, if it's the core of my conviction, 
And I can't keep that to myself. Uh, I have to find people and, and share with them this good news uh, of Jesus Christ. It cannot be personal. It has to become universal. I mean, uh, I think I understand when people say you have a personal faith and maybe there are some facets and some dynamics of that faith that is, you know, can be in a dialogue or discussed, but there are certain uh, factual convictions that we believe that you just can't keep to yourself. And I don't see anywhere in the New Testament or the Old Testament, and you guys help me if, I, if I've missed something, I don't see any place in the Bible where faith is to be kept to oneself, mm. ever. I don't see that anywhere. Uh, people were healed and told not to tell anybody, right? Yeah. Jesus healed the leper, don't tell anybody what happened. Healed but he never told, told anyone, uh, the woman at the well, uh, you know, go and sin no more and don't tell anybody. <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, it just, it's not in the Bible. So somebody would say, well, you know, uh, I, I don't believe in abortion, <laughs> but I don't really feel like I should push my conviction on someone else. Mm. Yeah. And, and I'm, I have to just tell you, and I don't know where you guys land on this, but I struggle with that. Because yeah. why even have it as a conviction unless you're going to yeah. try to, to help that conviction get some traction in society and in culture or whatever the case might be. What what does that really say about your conviction? Yeah. You know? And so, you know, a, ch- a church leader, and there's an argument over who really said this, so I'm not going to get into that, but here's what they said. In essentials, unity. In non-essentials, liberty. But in all things, charity. So it, it, I, I think I have a personal faith that I want to share with people, but I think I need to do that in love and there are dynamics of this faith that are not heaven and hell issues. T, <laughs> T. Wagner 977 at gmail.com. <laughs> there are some facets of this faith that are not heaven and hell issues. Um, but faith in Jesus Christ is essential. Yeah. Therefore unifying. Therefore it can't be personal. Mm. I have to be able to share that. Um, Philippians 2.12. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Mm-hmm. A lot of people will use that to say, let's keep it personal. You work it out, what your salvation is, you work out yours. By the way, I'm pointing at Tyler and at Allison. <laughs> but working out your own salvation is very different from working for salvation. That's not what it, it doesn't say we're going to work for salvation. We're working it out. What's inside of us works its way out of us. Well, if it's not to be shared, what's the purpose of it being worked out of us? Mm-hmm. You know, so I think it can't be personal. I think it has to be shared. And, and it doesn't mean it has to be ugly. It doesn't have to be argument. It doesn't have to be arm wrestling. It doesn't have to be, but we got to share it. Yeah. I would say that um, if, if the people who know you best are surprised to hear that you're a Christian, mm. you're doing something wrong. Yeah. yeah. There should be no question about. What yeah. your faith is. Man, think about that. Think about the people who, uh, some of the people are listening they, that are believers and they work with somebody. And, and if somebody was to walk up and say, well, you know, so-and-so was a Christian. I said, what? Yeah. I didn't know they were Christian. I didn't know they went to church. I yeah. You know what I mean? That should how, be surprising. How, how, how sad yeah. that is. It's exactly. Um, so I mentioned uh, Coexist. Um, if you don't know what that is, it's the bumper sticker that, you know, it's all around us. It's all over the place. Where it's everywhere, yeah, everywhere. <laughs> where each of the letters are a, a different symbol of a different major religion, and so basically the movement is, you know, we can all coexist together 
in peace and it'll be fine. Um, so what is the Christian response to that? What is? Well, I, I think, again, the hardest thing about or one of the hardest things about Christianity in an, in an inclusive world is an exclusive Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. And this thing, this bumper sticker, the word coexist, uh, written out of the symbols, like you said, of different religions. Let me just tell you what they are real quick, if I can do anything real quick. <laughs> uh, the crescent moon is on there, which is the symbol of Islam, uh, not compatible with Jesus in any way. Yeah. I mean, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the light. They don't, they don't believe that. Uh, the peace sign, which seems to be harmless, designed by a guy by the British campaign against nuclear disarmament. But, you know, I, where, where, is, where is the Christianity necessarily in that? Then you have the gender equality symbol, which, again, some people say, hey, that's good. Male, female, that's great. But that's not all it stands for. Mm. I mean, it stands for male, female, transgender, gender neutral, no gender at all, whatever you decide you're going to identify as today. Let's coexist. Uh, the Star of David, representing Judaism, is on there. And that's the roots of Christianity, but they deny the person of Jesus Christ as the Son of God. And then the I on there represents paganism. Uh, paganism, I, we could go on for a while about it, but basically it's it's uh, polytheism. It's We believe in a bunch of gods. That's what paganism is. You got the yin-yang on there, which is Taoism. Uh, their uh, fundamental idea is a philosophical thought uh, that denotes the principle that is the source and the pattern and the substance of everything exi- that exists. That's the yin and the yang. Again, it's kind of in, in conflict with Christianity. And then the last thing on there is you have the cross rep- representing Christianity, which Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. Here's what I say about all of that. All of that except for the cross is not Christianity. Can we coexist? Of course we can. Of course we can live on the same planet. Of course we can get along. But when it comes down to personal faith, I want to share that personal faith, which is in conflict with all but one of those symbols. Mm. And so we can still coexist. We can still love each other. But that doesn't mean that that we love each other and just say, okay, you go your way, I'll go mine. Um, but, but I think that's at a point where we decide, okay, let's contend for this faith. Colossians 4 and 6, when that happens, when you're contending for the faith, when you're in dialogue with people of different faiths, you have to let your conversation be gracious and let it be attractive so that you'll have the right response for everyone. And so I don't think it's a new thing. I don't think coexisting is a new thing. I mean, Paul was at the, uh, at the Colosseum. He was at the Areopagus. I think that's how you say, that's how you say it. I don't know how you say it. Uh, he's supposed to say it with confidence and that <laughs> way everybody. Uh, and he reasoned with people of, of different belief systems, the Romans and their unknown God and so forth and so on. Again, you just don't read about any of those situations where whoever it was that was there said, you know what, it's okay, let's just go, let's go get a hamburger and everything's going to be all right. I mean, there was always a discussion about God, Jesus Christ, his son, and, and, and what that means. So uh, can we coexist? We can. Can the answer, can the ultimate goal of coexisting according to that bumper sticker, can that be a reality? I, I hope not. Yeah. I hope not. Yeah. And I think people who believe in that movement are people who view religion and Christianity specifically as something to be compartmentalized in our lives. Or personal. Yeah, exactly. Um, 
as Christians, Christianity is not some small part of us, something that we do on Wednesdays and Sundays. Something not supposed that, to be, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It is everything. It is our entire lives. It is our identity. It is what we're here for. It is our purpose. And so there's no way for us to be uh, let people live in sin and live in um, ignorance. Yep. And uh, be able to walk in what the Bible says. Well, and and just to to bounce off of that, a lot of people read the scripture in James where it says the double-minded person's unstable in all their ways, and they seem to not want to attach it to this issue. That if I'm a Christian and I believe that Christ is the center of who I am, and the Christian ethic is how I want to live my life, but yet when I'm around people at work, I don't want to be. Is that not being double-minded? Yeah. I mean, or a person that would say, well, I go to church and then I have a secular job. No, you can't. I don't think you separate your life that way. Your secular job is a job God gave you and do all that you do as under the Lord and not as under men. So it's not, I have that job over there and then I have church over here. That's double-minded. So I think we bring it all together and we say, I'm a Christian. I want to live by the Christian ethic. I want to love Christ. I want my life to represent him. Well, then then let that live out. Or then let go back to that scripture I said, work out that salvation. Not work for, but work out that salvation with fear and trembling. Take it to the streets. Take it to your job. Take it to your schools. Take it to your churches and, and be Christ-like. Yeah. Um, I think that one of the... Uh, excuses that people will use to keep faith yourself is that, you know, um, it's wrong to impose your beliefs on other people. It's not loving. So, um, is it loving to impose your beliefs on other people? Uh, what is, what is your response? Well, I, I, I think I would have to kind of understand when we use the word impose. Okay. Now that, that can be a, 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 a dual meaning word, of course. I think I understand what you're, you mean when you're asking the question, but when you say impose, are you suggesting that we, you know, have some sort of forceful measure of, of forcing people? No, I don't, I, we can't do that. Matter of fact, that's um, contrary to what a lot of people are thinking right now in our world, in our culture, in our society. The reason this country was founded was to have freedom from that, from opposition or oppression, you know, not opposition, oppression. And and that's the reason they came here was to get some religious freedom. And so I, I don't think that we impose as far as forcefully uh, telling people what they need to believe. But I, I, I have to say this, and I've said it before, and you guys, you said that on four episodes already. <laughs> love with love without truth is hypocrisy. And, and truth without love is brutality. I, I do think I... I have a responsibility as a believer in Christ to share that with people, not necessarily to handcuff them to a chair and say, you're going to sit down and you're going to listen to me. So I think that when my children were young and they were getting ready to do something that I knew that was going to bring pain into their life, I imposed my will on them and said, this is not good for you. You're going to, you're going to get hurt. A father who loved them tried to inform them. So I try to look at it that way, that if we, lo if we truly love people, then we want to inform them. And if we inform them, the information that we give them is Jesus, our, our faith, our, you know, what, what we're trying to model our life after. And so I think it's, it's unloving not to share your faith 
right? Mm -hmm. But I don't think you can impose it uh, on someone because in the end, you know, even Jesus said in Matthew chapter 10 that if any, anybody refuses to hear you or welcome you, just shake the dust from your feet and move on, you know? So I don't think we have to impose it, but I think we, we do need to look for the opportunities to uh, definitely share it with mm -hmm. people. Um, and I go back to, I, I've never, I have never won someone to the Lord by winning an argument. I, I, I've, it's just never been that I'm back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And someone finally goes, okay, you win. I'll get saved. It just, it's never happened that way for me. Now, if it's happened for people that are listening, you know, hallelujah. It's never happened that way for me. I think, uh, just sharing Jesus with people and, and giving them the opportunity to receive that and understand that. Uh, but as far as imposing, uh, that word, that word uh, doesn't set well with me. Yeah, and I think people have like sort of a, a skewed view of Christians, probably mm -hmm. because self-proclaimed Christians have messed it up for everybody yeah. else. Um, but we, it's not like we're we want kids to be forced to pray in school. No, it's not like we want to shame the Muslim people for wearing. Um, the head covering. Right. Um, it's nothing. It's nothing like that. It is uh, sharing truth in love, mm -hmm. and um, I just want it to be clear that you know, of course, there are people who do it the wrong way, um, who hate and who do it purely out of a motivation to win an argument. But that's not the place that we're coming from as people who want to be faithful to the word. No, not yeah. I mean, I. I I think, again, the, the world will know we're his disciples because of our love for each other, not for our hate, not for what we protest, not for what we don't like. And so I think we should spend more time loving people than we, than we do, you know, protesting things and so forth. And so, I, again, I, I, uh, one, of my, one of the people that used to talk to me the most, he's not around anymore, he used to own a motel that's, that's close to here, uh, from India, and he was a Hindu. And he and I would have multiple discussions about our faith. And uh, in the end, and I, I won't go through all of that with you, but in the end, uh, his name is Sonny, and, and he came to know Jesus Christ as his mm -hmm. Lord and, and even went to uh, a little bit of training to become a preacher. Uh, and it was never, it was never ugly. It was never me mm -hmm. saying, you know, listen, what you believe is, is crazy or dumb. It wasn't that at all. It was me answering his questions about what I believe, really, yeah. that, that brought him to that point. And so I, I think that we we can coexist. It doesn't mean we accept, but we, we should be able to coexist with people so that we can have an avenue to share with them. Mm -hmm. And then when it comes time and the Spirit of the Lord opens up the opportunity, don't shy away from that, but jump at the opportunity to share your faith with people. It's not a personal it's not a personal faith for you just to hang on to, but it's it's a shareable faith for you to, to be able to share with people because you love them, because you don't want to see them go into a Christless eternity. Yeah. And and that just leads right into the next question that what? <laughs> our motivation for um, sharing the gospel and defending the faith is love. It's yep. it's love for our neighbor, it's love for truth, it's love for justice. And um, that's just that's I mean, the truth. It, it, all the issues that we're struggling with in in America, especially today, all the social things, racial things, political things, 
think about all of those things that could be uh, remedied just by practicing Christian love. Hmm. Just, just that. I mean, uh, I've said this. Uh, we do a thing on Wednesday nights. Matter of fact, this Wednesday night's going to be the last one. We've called it the conversation. We're just sitting around a table talking about situations that are going on in the world. And and I've said this. Okay, tomorrow at ten o'clock, everybody start practicing the golden rule. And if we did that, the world would be a better place. Heaven and hell, forget about it. Uh, forget about just everybody treat each yeah, other the way you want to be treated. because all religions say that. Right. Yeah. And so, but, you know, of course, the good thing is, is that we, as Christians, we do have a promise of heaven and a consequence of hell if, if we don't uh, figure it out and, and, and do it the right way. But I'm just saying, if everybody would just love each other, just not, not I mean, just with a, a godly, agape love. I mean, how much of how much of the world crisis would be diluted and, and almost gone if we could just do that? Yeah. And how many people might that actually lead to Jesus in the end? Mm. When right. You start seeing yeah. that love spread, you know. And, and I know that that's a question that's coming up, but I think it it is more about how we live our life mm-hmm. that that becomes attractive to other people. Yeah. That people say. Man, what is it about that Tyler Staten guy? Why is he, you know, why is he never seem to get down and out when the things are turning really bad or what? And then that gives them the opportunity to come and say, "Hey, Tyler, what's up, man? You know, you uh, you had one of your students hit you with spitball in the cheek today. <laughs> you didn't strike him, and you back. turned the other one. <laughs> hey, there you go. So yeah. yeah, I mean, we we should be motivated to share the gospel because of our love. But we should be motivated to share the gospel because the Bible tells us to do that, Yeah. right? Yeah. The Bible says that we should want people to spend eternity with God. We should want others to have what we have. That I mean, we should obey the scripture. The whole reason, I shouldn't say the whole reason. I got, I got a little bit of hyperbole going on there. <laughs> um, one of the greatest reasons why the Lord sent the Spirit, right? Jesus said, I got to go. If I go, I'll send another comforter. And, of course, we know Acts chapter 2 was the day that he came. But in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, we are told why the Spirit was really sent to us. He said, and I will send you uh, power from on high that you can become my witnesses. Again, going back to, I don't know anywhere in the Bible where it says, keep it to yourself. We're always told to be a witness. And it says, you'll be a witness telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And that gives us four concentric circles, if you will. You know, you have your home, your city, your nation, your globe. And we're supposed to be taking this good news. And so um, we, we need to express to people that, that we have a treasure hidden in these earthen jars of clay that we want to share with them. And, and I don't know anywhere where we're told not to. And when we do, we should be motivated by this love that Allison mentioned. We should be motivated by the fact that we want people to have what we have and the Bible tells us to do it. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite uh, pastors and churches, um, Jeff Durbin. Um, Wait a minute. Is he, he's one of. One of. Okay. Right. Yes. Not, one of. Not the not, not the. Yes. <laughs> Um, his his church is actually called Apologia Church, mm-hmm. which um, you know derives from the same Greek word, I guess. Um, but they're big on apologetics there, and they do a ton of videos where they will go out to um, uh, women's marches and uh, 
abortion clinics and mm-hmm. stand in front of there and they will talk to people and uh, try to have conversations and try and contend for the faith mm-hmm. and you know give reasonable arguments why this is a moral evil. And I always admire that because um, I feel like there's two sides um, to this issue, as there always is. People who on one side are like, no, you shouldn't be sharing your faith with anybody, and people on the other side who want to punch it into people. But they always go about it in love, and they always have truth to back it up, and they always try and reason with people well and make sure that they know that they love them and that they're made in the image of God, and I think that is incredible and something that we should all be working for, you know? Uh, We have issues that clearly God hates, like abortion, Mm -hmm. that we need to be standing firm on, but we always need to do it um, from a foundation of love. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So um, my next question is, what is the best way to evangelize to other people? Well... I mean, there's there's several concepts there. I think I'm just going to speak from my own experience. My own experience has been what D. James Kennedy called lifestyle evangelism, and that is not just necessarily trying to evangelize or testify to someone that you don't know, but developing a relationship with somebody and then looking for the opportunities for them to open the door. Uh, and, and when I have earned the right to speak into someone's life, uh, is it's always better received when I've when I've earned the right. You know, a lot of times um, it's just like a pastor. Uh, occasionally, my brother, who pastors a little church in Mooresville, Indiana, will ask me to come up and do a revival, like a Friday, Saturday, Sunday morning thing, and I'll do it uh, because he wants me to. But also, I feel like the, the Lord opens those opportunities. But it's such a different dynamic when you're preaching to people that you don't know. Mm. I, I preach, I've preached 5,000 sermons here at Tri-State Worship Center to people that I know, to people that I love and I care about. And it, and it gives me an opening into, into their lives. And I can speak things I can't say to, to my brother's church because they don't know me. They don't know. But I feel like the people here, they know who I am and, and how I like to communicate things. And so it's been my experience just to try that that lifestyle evangelism, sometimes, well, not sometimes. I, I was raised in a legalistic Pentecostal church, and the, I couldn't tell you the number of times that uh, the pastor would come down, you know, uh, preaching hellfire and brimstone, as we say, and pointing his finger in, in people's faces. And and I'm not saying that doesn't work. So, hey, that's, that's one particular style. God bless you. It, it's just never worked for me. It's never worked for me to do that. My thing is, let's just sit down, let's have a cup of coffee, and and let me earn the right to speak into your life. Uh, that's not to say that appeals at the end of a sermon don't work. That's not to say that street witnessing doesn't work. It's just saying that's what's worked best for me. When I want to evangelize, when I want to share the gospel, uh, I, I want to do that in a setting where that person feels like, hey, we're we're friends. Yeah. Let's, let's talk about this. Yeah, and your way of... Um evangelizing to people probably best reflects your personality and your gifts that God has given you. But we're all called to be apologists. Um, You know, we are all called... She said (laughs) We're all called to have a defense for why we believe what we believe. And we're all called to be theologians, Mm -hmm. to study scripture, to know God, to know who he is. Um, So this isn't something where you can go, eh, it's not my thing, not what I'm gifted with. 
no, you find ways that you uh, know will work best to uh, get that message across in a loving way. And um, that's the beauty of the body is uh, God's given each of us unique gifts to uh, be able to do that in different ways, to touch different people, you know? Uh, Your conversation with Jimmy over here. um, That's that's Tyler. (laughs) I'm not pointing to him. (laughs) Oh. Pointing in between you two. I can be Jimmy if you want, for the Um, sake of this scenario. (laughs) Your conversation with him might be 10 times more effective than my conversation with him because... You share similar life experiences or you're able to come at it in a way that, uh, you know, is scholarly. Maybe he he likes facts and stuff like that. So it's I want to encourage everybody to find that way to do that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, you know, it might be just having somebody over for dinner or it might be having someone for a, a study. Uh, it might be just sitting down at lunchtime and and asking somebody, "Hey, what what's your spiritual journey? You mm-hmm. know, what is that? What what's it look like in your world?" And just you know, have the a, a, a way to at least start the conversation. But it could happen. You know, for me, I am a a, a more well, I, I'm a personable guy, <laughs> and you know, people I'll just, agree. I'll agree people just yeah. like me. You know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Why, why was that not fun? anymore? Why was that funny, Allison? Uh, and that is my that is my approach because I'm yeah. I'm just a uh, I'm a person to person kind of guy. But now again, other people might have other ways of 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 making an avenue into talk to somebody, and and that's cool. the 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 key is to do it, whatever yeah, your right. style is, do it. Uh, because what was you know what was Jesus's uh, command to us. What was the great commission to us? He, he said, uh, sit on your butt in <laughs> church and don't go tell anybody about me, mm-hmm. right? No, he said, go into all the world and, and tell everybody about what you've learned from me. Tell everybody. And again, back to the very first question. How can we say that we're supposed to keep this to ourselves? There's nowhere in, Bi- in the Bible that says everywhere. It's like, go, 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 go. But we're so interested in come and see rather than go and tell. We have forgotten how to evangelize. We've forgotten how to even start a conversation about that. And, and I, I just, I, I think whatever your style is, just do it. Yeah. And see, Nike didn't come think, up with that first. I think some, <laughs> some people, and I may be way off base here, but in, in my own head, uh, I think some people get comfortable with that blanket of this is my personal yeah. journey um, that starts with, because I do believe Christ is the, is the way, the truth, the life, but your path to him was looks a little different than mine. Sure. So, yeah, I think that can be mm-hmm. personal. Your testimony. Your yeah. testimony. But once you've arrived at that place... Now your your job description has changed. Yeah. You've taken on a, a new life, a new right. a new body, a new mm. spirit, and you're renewed and, and you're in a sense, because this word is coming to mind, you're charged with this responsibility to to share that with the rest of the world. And that can't be personal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Your your approach might be different, yeah. but in the end it's the same. You're sharing the love and the truth and, and the and the, the story of Jesus Christ. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. So uh, we talked. You said his answer was good, but you haven't said. How, how do you know I wasn't talking about both of your? Answers? Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> so we talked about the best ways to evangelize. What are some wrong ways to evangelize? Well, you know, I don't know if there's a a, a wrong way, 
as much as there is a wrong time, I, mean, I think there are wrong times. I think we need to, I've said this before, that the least used gift of the Spirit in the church today is discernment. I think discerning when is a good time to move this way or move that way is is probably the more important thing. But I, I, obviously there's, there's some ways that you should not, I mean, I don't think, disparaging people and belittling, belittling people is, mm-hmm. is a way of, you know, uh, that somehow making yourself bigger than them or better than them and, and that kind of stuff. I, I don't think any of that works. I don't think it's uh, good to shame them and to guilt them. Uh, mm-hmm. Now, again, some people may feel like, yes, guilt has worked for me. So I use guilt when I evangelize. I, God bless you. It's never worked for me. Never. I think that's where the Holy Spirit should come into play and the conviction of yes. the Holy Spirit. You know, you pave the way, but then you, at some point you do have to let the Holy Spirit do its job. Right. Well, and, and again, it's the Spirit of God that draws people to God, yeah. right? So I want to be in touch and in tune with the Spirit of God mm-hmm. to know when he's drawing somebody. Yeah. Now, again, I, I, I'm not always going to be the one to harvest uh, the 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 produce. Maybe yeah. I'm going to plant the seed. Maybe somebody else is going to water. Somebody add the increase, so forth and so on. Um, but I want to be in, t- in touch and in tune with the spirit enough to kind of know. Okay, well, all right here's an opportunity. Yeah. Let's let's talk about this. And uh, so I don't know that there's a, a, a wrong way outside of you know don't disparage people, don't be ugly towards people, don't shame them and guilt them. You don't want to roundhouse kick anybody in the face. (laughs) And while they're unconscious, (laughs) say to them, pray this prayer with me, right? I mean, it just doesn't work that way, I don't think. Uh, But we should be ready ready to be used when the Spirit of God is is needing us to be used. And, uh, you know, Jesus even told him, said, listen, the, the leaders in the world, they exercise authority over people and they lord it over them. And they, he said, I don't want you guys to be that way. I want you to be servants. I want, I want you guys to serve people. Even the Son of Man did not come uh, to be served, but to give his life, to be a servant and to give his life as a ransom for many. So you know, I think that that we need to be gentle as doves and, and as wise as serpents, what the Bible says, you know, have that discernment, have that wisdom. But I, I think that we need to be ready to be used by the Spirit of God whenever He's ready for us to to be used. And, you know, to the person that says, well, you know, I, I just don't think that, that I can, that's not my gift or that, it's not about gift. We are all called, the Bible says that we are all called to one ministry. Now, that doesn't mean it's the only ministry that we're called to, but all of us are called to the ministry of reconciliation. And that is reconciling lost mankind back to the creator. How That's not going to happen by osmosis. It's not going <laughs> to happen just by looking at somebody and going, you know, <laughs> right now I'm just looking at Allison with some crazy eyes. Or sharing a couple Bible verses on your <laughs> right, Facebook page. Right, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. But it's about truly evangelizing, sharing your faith, loving people enough, being concerned enough that you say it's not just about let's huddle up in church and wait for Jesus to come back, but let's get out here and let's lead some people to the Lord and help them to understand what we've got that is so incredible, Mm -hmm. that's so awesome. Yeah, and I think uh, another key is, uh, you know, not coming from a place of, uh, you know, not moral moral high ground, really. I think, I don't know who said it, but I read a tweet uh, a couple weeks ago, and it was something like, as we press deeper into God, we realize how, we, we realize more and more how broken we are. Oh, yeah. Um, so if anything, our maturity and faith should humble us and 
of course we do have the high ground because we know the truth, but it wasn't our work. Right. It wasn't anything we no. did, not anything we can boast about. Um, so uh, I think anytime we come at it from a place of, well, I'm better than you, um, it's not going to be effective. No, no. Um, and, and in the end, Allison, none of us are any better than anybody else. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I had a, a pastor friend, a local pastor who... Uh, we're a Pentecostal church. Tri-State Worship Center is a church of God connected with a church of God out of Cleveland, Tennessee. We're a Pentecostal church. Uh, this pastor friend of mine, he's not. He, they are not a Pentecostal church. They are obviously Protestant evangelical, but they're not Pentecostal. And he, we were talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And um, not, it was a very good, pleasant, kind conversation. And he finally asked me, he said, well, you think that because you have the baptism of the Holy Spirit that makes you better than me? And I said, no, it just makes me better than I would have been without it. But it doesn't make me better than anybody. I mean, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Our our righteousness is as filthy rags before the Lord. We're all in this thing together. And again, we're in it together, so why not let the Christians stand up and be bold enough to share that? My My video today... That has a really incredible blooper on it. <laughs> uh, Hint I, to our um, uh, what's it? Our inside joke. Our inside joke from earlier. Yeah. Yeah. See, look how it's come full circle. And we're <laughs> almost done. Uh, is about boldness. It ta- I'll use the scripture when Paul was in jail at Rome, and it says that he was he was able to teach about the kingdom of God. And no one could stop him. Well, no one could stop him because he was in jail. I mean, what are they going to do with him? But he had reserved himself to the fact I'm going to do this with boldness because. What's going to happen to me? Yeah, Not, exactly. nothing's going to, and I yeah. think we've got to get to that point. Have nothing if, to lose. Right. If God be for us, who can be against us? So let's let's share this good news. Let's let's tell people about it. And it's not in the Bible, but historians have have noted that because of that two year time frame in Paul's life, while he's in a Roman jail, that the cupbearer and one of the mistresses of Nero were led to the Lord because of of Paul being in jail for those two. So don't tell me about your circumstance that you can't yeah. you can't evangelize because of your circumstance. Don't tell me how bad you got it. Don't tell me because if he think about that, think about this this emperor called Nero that was lighting his garden with the with the bodies of Christians, mm-hmm. burning them as lights. Mm-hmm. But here's this guy named Paul. He's in prison, and he's talking so much with boldness about the kingdom of God that it leads people from his from Nero's own household. To the mm-hmm. Lord. Yeah. I mean, and again, was Paul special? Was Did Paul have something that we can't have? Did Paul have some kind of unctioning that's not available to anybody else? He was obedient. He, he did what he know, knew he was supposed to because he reserved himself to the fact, God's for me. Yeah. I'm going to share this, and let's see what happens. And, and, I, and I don't, I mean, you might think, again, I'm just trying to get extreme about it. I don't think there's any difference between what he did and what we should be doing. Right. I'm not saying get in a boat and go to Lystra or to, you know, (laughs) cross the Mediterranean or do any Crete. I just love saying some of those words. Um, But I I do think we are supposed to be sharing this this personal faith that is a a universal need. Mm, Wow. Well, and you've even said this. From the she pulpit too, <laughs> and that's that we've we've become so comfortable in our in our in our houses of worship and yep. our churches, then to where we we tell people to come and see when in reality we should be 
Yeah, in the go and tell. Yeah, I think that's a mentality. byproduct of Americanized oh, it Christianity. Is. Oh, absolutely, it's crazy. Yeah, um, it's the enterprise that yeah. that Christianity has become. First century Palestine, it was a community of faith. Then it moved into a philosophy in the Greek world, became an institution in Rome, but then it became an enterprise in the yeah. West. Yeah, and it's unfortunate. Yeah. Um, so to close, what do we need to? Evangelize. What what is our she what said, is the essential? She said to close, like a pastor says, like I'm yeah. getting ready to close here. Linda, this is to make your listeners feel better. <laughs> it's just gonna keep going. We're gonna go another hour here. Uh, what is essential in order to be prepared to share the gospel? Yes. Well, I, I think we should know what we're talking about, which is hmm, the gospel. Perhaps. Right? Maybe. Uh, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. A general knowledge of why that's important. Why was the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ, why is that important to Christianity? you got to remember, Christianity without the resurrection is not Christianity without a last chapter. Uh, Christianity without the resurrection is not Christianity at all. This is the gospel, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so we need to know that. We need to know why that's important about the fall of man and how that restores us back. But I think most of us, most of us just need to know how to share our story. Mm. That what did Jesus do for me? Again, I, I have led uh, a lot of people to the Lord at the end of services, out on the street, uh, in prison, uh, I wasn't in prison, but I was visiting people. In pr- Although, if I was in prison, I should be like Modern Paul. Modern day Paul. There yeah. you go. See how it all kind of connects there. Um, I have led more people to know Jesus through just telling my story than quoting a bunch of verses out of the Bible. And I'm not deluding. I'm not demeaning that. We, that's important. Matter, but think about it. And I know, I'm, I know I mentioned it on a previous podcast. Um <laughs> But think about how many thousands or tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of people came to know Jesus before there was a Bible, Hmm. right? It was because people were sharing their story. I knew him. I heard him. I saw him do this. They're sharing the story. So I think most of us just need to share the story and, and, and just say, this is what I was. This is what Jesus did for me. And this is who I am now. And I think a lot of people who know my story, um, that they would be hard-pressed not to be convinced that there's something real about this I mean, because because of my story. I'm not, everybody's story is going to be different. But I, I think you gotta you got to know what you're talking about. Share the gospel, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Share your story, and then let the Spirit of the Lord take care of the rest of it. Hardest thing for me, and I know we got to quit, hardest thing for me a lot of times is as as a pastor especially, I want to see response. You know, at the end of a service, I want to see people mm-hmm. responding. But that doesn't always... Well, it normally doesn't happen. It's not that it doesn't always happen. It normally doesn't happen. And so you have to reserve yourself to the thought of, I'm planting a seed. I'm planting a seed. I'm planting a seed. I'm planting a seed. And so I would just say to all of you uh, believers out there, you know, get your seed bag out and start planting seeds. Hmm. Yeah. But I do want to emphasize that it's important to be biblically literate when we do this. Because, you know... I agree that your personal testimony is important. And after you share that and hopefully lead a person to Christ, it's important to know, you know, what 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 does that entail, you know? Right. Because it's not like we can Yeah, and I don't I don't I yeah. would never 
diminish the importance of the Bible. And I didn't, if that's how that came, I didn't mean it that way at all. I'm just saying, you know, that the Bible should support everything that you're saying and you should be able to, to at least share a few verses. And if you don't know what those are, come to Tri-State Worship Center. And up on the altar area is a little pathway to a salvation card. It's got some scriptures on there that you can get and, and, and use for your own benefit. Um, but, yeah, I, I please don't take anything that I say as, as somehow demeaning the, the word because I think that's uh, – I mean, besides the Spirit of God that we have with us, the Word of God is is right there uh, in utmost importance of knowing, for sure. Right, right. All right. Well, thank you guys for joining us. That was great. Um, if you have any questions that you would like to answer, uh, email us at twagner977 at gmail.com, and we will see you guys next week as we close out Season 2. Oh, my goodness. Already? Yes. For real? Man. Are we yes. going to do another lightning round? We're going to do another lightning Yeah, round. so we, we'll have two <laughs> because of lightning round. So just disregard what I just Thank, said. Now I don't have to put sound effects in later. <laughs> See you guys later. See ya.